Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So we'll get into the word today. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for the privilege of reaching out. Father, we thank you for all the seeds that were planted at Groves College. Thank you for all the seeds that were planted with the police, how they appreciated how we served them. I thank you for all the individual people in our church that planted seeds this week, Father, that all of those seeds were planted and those seeds uh, will produce, Father. So we thank you that you're continuing to work in people's hearts that we plant seeds, Lord. We thank you for the message today, Father, as we get into this, Father, that I acknowledge that I cannot teach without you. So I thank you, Father, that it's you, Father, and, and your Holy Spirit spirit, the great teacher. So yielding myself to you, Father God, thank you that you speak things through me that you desire, Father, and we give you all the praise and glory all the time in Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting a new series that will only be three weeks because we have Mother's Day this month, and we're calling uh, this series Jesus at Work, and then subtitled, The Works That I Do Shall You Do Also. So here's our text scripture for this in John chapter 14 and verse 12. And and it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. So we wanna just point out a few things there. The first really important thing to point out is, uh, you know, I'm the underlying king. Anybody that comes here know you know I like to underline things. But then at various times I, I, I underline plus make it bold. So here is an underline and a bold because it says anyone who believes. So that's bold plus underline because we really need to get a, a grip on that. Anyone who believes means it's, it doesn't have to be an apostle. It doesn't have to be a prophet doesn't have to be an evangelist, a teacher, or a pastor. It says anyone who believes. So that means anyone that confesses Jesus as Lord, that they can do the same works that Jesus did. Now that's pretty awesome. So everyone that in this room right now that calls Jesus Lord, the same works that he did, you can do. So what are those works? And let's look at a scripture to see what they are in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. These are some of the principal works. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease amongst the people. And so we see there's three principal things that Jesus did that he taught, he preached, and he healed. We're going to look at those soon. Before we comment and look at those, let's talk about the greater works first. Because Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works that I do shall you do also. And he said, and greater works. So that means anyone that believes in Jesus can do a greater work than he did. So uh, it's important to know what a greater work is, because if you don't know what a greater work is, you can get really frustrated and think, Uh, and even think, well, I've been waiting for years to see somebody do the greater works. Why isn't anyone doing the greater works? So it's important to know uh, what the greater works are. So in order to find that out, there's, there's two categories that we can do greater works in. So the first category is, we would call it the category of the quality of the work. We can do a greater quality of work. And I'll explain that. When Jesus walked on the earth, he could not get anyone born again because he had to die, become sin, go to hell, 
be raised from the dead and seated and then send the Holy Spirit before we could become born again. So Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he could not get anyone saved. He could not get anyone filled with the Holy Spirit. So those are two things Jesus couldn't do. Now you might say, well, how do you know it's a greater quality of work than getting somebody healed? Well, there's one scripture that would show us something along those lines in Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. That says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. So this is Jesus, and he was, he was saying that I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And he was talking about how Satan got cast out of heaven, and, he, and they're talking about how we have authority over demons and devils. And then Jesus said, okay, so the spirits are subject to you, but he said, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven the greatest quality of work that can happen is that somebody accept Jesus Christ as their Lord. So Jesus got a lot of people healed, and he did things like that when he walked on the earth, but he could not get them saved, we say. He could not uh, bring them into a new birth because he had to die first. So first category is we can do greater quality of works. And then the second category is quantity because Jesus was one person in one place at one time doing the works. Now we are millions of people around the world doing works so we can do a greater quantity of works plus a greater quality of works. So let me ask you the question, how, how many in you, of you that led somebody to the Lord that got saved? How many here led somebody to the Lord and they got saved? So everybody in this room that led somebody to the Lord and got saved, you have done a greater work. If you ever got anyone filled with the Holy Spirit, you have done a greater work. So we don't have to be frustrated about the greater works, okay? So that's, that's, we just wanted to say that. It removes frustration knowing that we are doing the greater works. Let's talk about the works now. So what are the works? So the works are teaching, preaching, and healing. So teaching is explaining, preaching is proclaiming, and healing is demonstration. And so today we're not going to look at healing, but we're going to look at teaching and preaching today. We want to look at the work of teaching and preaching. Uh, teaching means you explain. Preaching means you proclaim. So when we were at Groves Christian School on Friday, and I used to be a traveling minister, minister. And uh, as a traveling minister, you'll have a different anointing come on you at times. And it's more like a, a preaching or proclaiming anointing. And Karen, uh, pastors James and Karen came uh, with me and we went there together. And that was probably the first time they saw me under a preaching anointing. And uh, Karen especially liked it. But, you know, it's, and, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's a different anointing, and it's not really explaining as much as, as it's proclaiming. And, uh, and when that kind of anointing gets on you, like there was about the third row back, there was, he probably was the, one of the bullies of the class. He decided with his friends that they were going to stare me down and challenge me. And, you know, with that kind of anointing on you, nothing will scare you, and you don't feel challenged at all. So I was able to look with love in my eyes at him directly and minister. So there's that proclaiming 
preaching anointing. And that'll come on evangelist a lot. And, uh, and, and even sometimes a teacher can proclaim, it can go back and forth. So that's the difference there. So let's, let's uh, first of all back up and let's talk about this first. How did Jesus prepare himself? Because he had to prepare himself. Now, if you think about it, Jesus did teaching and preaching. The main thing that Jesus did when he walked on the earth was he taught and he preached and he healed. And so think about it. If Jesus didn't open his mouth, there would hardly be anything written in the gospels. If Jesus didn't lay hands on sick people, there would hardly be anything written in the gospels. So when you think about a Christian walk in a Christian life, it has to include opening the mouth and giving out the word, and it has to include laying on of hands. The book of Acts would be a lot smaller if the apostles did not preach and teach and lay hands. But the reason the book of Acts is the way it is because they open their mouth. So Christians, all of us, we need to know that we don't want to be a big mouth and a loud mouth, but we want to use our mouth the right way and preach the gospel. So think about Jesus now. He was 30 years old when his ministry started, and his ministry only went for three and a half years around. So he prepared almost 10 times more than he ministered. In other words, his preparation time was almost 10 times the length of his ministry time. And in those three plus, you know, a little over three years, the whole known world was impact. It was impacted. Now, you can even like think of a modern person like Smith Wigglesworth. If you don't know the story of Smith Wigglesworth, he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit and he tried to get into ministry and it didn't go well. And then he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then at the age of 50 is really when his ministry started. And he made a huge impact over in Europe. And he went over, he's, he came to Australia, he went to America, huge impact. But the preparation time was long. And he really didn't uh, live that long. I'm, I'm trying to think how old he, he was 80 something when he went home to be with the Lord, but his ministry really started at 50. So 30 something years and he left so much. And so preparation time is never wasted time. So when we look at Jesus, we know that he prepared a long time, but he was so prepared that he did so well for the time that he ministered. So even if you're young, Sometimes young people, when, when you get like my age, you no longer have those thoughts. But when you're younger, you think, oh my, I'm behind. I'm not doing enough for God. I got to hurry up, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I might be missing something. And I know, how do I know about that? Because I had those thoughts. But you can only do what your grace to do and you can only go where your grace to go and you can only do it. So, you know, sometimes it's just best, better, Here's the thing, it doesn't help to worry about it. It doesn't help to try to make it happen. It really is good for your body, good for your health, good for your mind to just be at peace. And, 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 and know, you know that when God wants you, he knows where to find you. And in the meantime, in, you know, do, whatever you're doing, do it with all of your heart. So let's look at this with Jesus in Luke chapter two and verse 46. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. He was 12 years old right there, 12 years old. That's, we're reading about a 12 year old. So he could have done it probably back then when he was 12. 
Uh, and he was so studied up and so prepared. Then you keep reading in verse 48, and it says when his parents, they, they lost him and they went looking for him and they found him. It says when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have, thou, have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And then he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I must be in my father's house? So at 12 years old, Jesus knew that he was called to be in his father's house. And you know, all of us Christians, we now as Christians, we are the house of God, but yet on the other side too, we're the house of God, but it's really good to have a house of God in a local church. And Jesus knew that he belonged in the house of God at an early age. Uh, and then if you pick up in verse number 50, it says, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And then 51, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So what you see is he realized it wasn't his time and he stayed submitted to his mother and father. Okay, now he was full of knowledge and he was full of wisdom but he knew it wasn't his time. So interesting thing, when you do what he did is in verse 52, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. How interesting it is that when he decided to stay with God's timing and even be submissive to his earthly parents, what happened was that he had an increase an increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So as I was meditating on this, of course, it came into my heart that favor, when God puts favor on you, it's favor on, with God and favor with man. That is a game. It, it's a difference maker. It's a game changer, whatever you want to say, a difference maker. So I was meditating on that, and this came into my heart that when God is with us, favor is on us. So you stay with God and stay in his timing and be submissive to him, but also be submissive to the right people on earth that you should be submissive to. Young ones, submitting to your parents will only pay off. You know, us, uh, my wife and I, we have spiritual authorities that we're submissive to and et cetera. And you know, when you, when you decide to do that, you know, what happens is you're walking with God and when God is with us, favor is on us. And then here's an important thing. When favor is on us, our influence reaches further. That's big. It's important because favor will bring a wider and broader range of influence. So sometimes people will get impatient and they'll say, I'm going to do this but God's not with them and they have less influence. But when we do it with God, favors on us and we'll have greater influence. So it's so good to be submissive to him, being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, it makes a difference. Now there's kind of like ebbs, there's like an ebb and flow when we serve God. And one of the people I think of with the ebb and flow was when we were in, uh, in Singapore, there's a lot of large churches over there and we were doing a Bible school, so we had an associate pastor come from one of those really large churches. Today, I, I guess they have, on a special day, they have 40,000 people, so you, can, you understand it's a large church. And, and so here's a pastor, that associate pastor, that got to teach and preach to big groups of people in front of a lot of people. But he did it for I don't know how many years, and then he just said it left his heart. 
and he said that he had it in his heart to leave and start his own business and be an interior decorator. And, uh, and I, I just not, I don't know, about a year ago, I still had his uh, number in my phone and I thought about him. So I wrote him from here, a text message, and said, how's everything going? And he wrote back and said, everything's going great. You know, got my own business, interior decorator. And it was like he has always been doing what God says to do at the right time, at the right place. So there can be like an ebb and flow. Sometimes uh, you think you're gonna do something forever, but God could say, do something different. And we just follow him. I was always amazed because I had an opportunity to walk beside and serve a great man who's gone home to be with the Lord. And he, at one time he filled stadiums, so he would go to a stadium and fill it up. And I was serving him and he would say things like, you know, he talked Texan, he talked Texas language, English. So he said, you reckon, you reckon anyone's going to come to the meeting? And I would say, are you really serious that you really wonder if anyone's coming? Because we all look at him with such respect. He goes, I'm so serious, he said, that I don't know every time we rent an auditorium, I don't know if anyone's going to show up. He was such a humble man. But then he said this, he said, I only do this because God says, if God told me to walk away from this and to dig ditches, I would be there tomorrow. And so he was a guy that he, he understood that whatever God said to do, he was willing to do it. That's the way that we should all be. And we just follow God and submit to him. So there can be an ebb and flow in things. All right, let's, let's move on and look at something else. So when you're preparing yourself, um, we, ha- we can say this, that study ensures or guarantees correct doctrine. So Jesus had preparation, a lot of it. And when you do preparation properly, it means you'll have good doctrine. And the Bible talks about good doctrine. You can see it in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Uh, It says, do your best to present yourself to God. Now, the King James Version says, study to show yourself approved. That's the King James. This is the English Standard Version. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. And so when you don't do that, you can become ashamed. So I'll tell a story about myself. When, when I was uh, going through Bible school, between my first and second year of Bible school, I went back to my hometown to visit my family. And uh, so it, it was right around August, and that's when football, they have preseason games. And so my team was going to play on Sunday a preseason game, but the church that my mother and father attended and my brothers asked me if I would speak Sunday night at church. So what I, I was, and I really, you know, like, and living in Oklahoma, it was really hard. This is before the internet and all that. It was really hard to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers because they didn't show games from from Pennsylvania when you're in Oklahoma, you know, they were regional. So I thought, man, it's like I'm here and I got just one Sunday, then I got to leave. And I, I, so what I did is, this is before computers and all that were, I I got one of those big concordance, you know, the concordance they used to have to study the Greek and the Hebrew. And I opened it up. I was laying on my stomach on the carpet in the living room watching football. And I opened that up and then I had a Bible here and a notebook. And what my mother and father and everyone, they thought like I was doing what I should do to minister Sunday night, but I was not. I was like watching the game. So I went Sunday night and 
and uh, it didn't make a lot of sense. It was all disorderly stuff. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you just open your mouth and help God and you hope God fills it, but he wasn't filling my mouth very well. He forgot to fill it. <laughs> and, so it, it would, and so my older brother, I'm second. I got my brother Jim as the oldest and then me. So he came over to my parents' house after and he said, Tony, you did something no one else was able to do at church. And I said, what's that? He said, you put my daughter to sleep. <laughs> so notice the scripture. It says, one, one translation says, study to so, show yourself approved. This one says, do your best to present yourself to God. Because if you do that, it's a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. It's God's will, and he's serious about it, that we rightly divide the word of truth. It's no, it's no light thing to, when somebody stands up and they say, we're going to teach. God wants his word divided correctly. So uh, the next thing that we want to look at <clears throat> is connected, and that's this. Let's look at the weight God placed on teaching and preaching. And God put quite a weight on it, an importance. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, look at this. It says, for the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will thwart the cleverness of the intelligent. Where is the wise man? Where is the expert in Mosaic law? Where is the, the debater of this age? Has God not made the wisdom of the world foolish? Now look at this, for since the wisdom of God, the world by its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased to save those who believe by the foolishness of preaching. So you see what kind of importance and weight God put on preaching. So we could say this, that God could have saved us in a variety of ways because he's God and he's the creator. He created us. So God could have made us into robots. He could have manipulated our minds. He could have made us all think the same way. He could have made us all believe the same thing. He could have directly communicated to us. He could have got to us a number of different ways to save us. But God chose preaching. And then it says that this pleased God, but it says that by the foolishness of preaching. So he actually calls it foolishness. And you know, like even when I was standing in Groves Christian College and just a couple, you know, 99% of those students were beautiful and they, but just that one couple, that one little row where they decided to try to stare me down, you know, and it makes you, you're standing up there and you think, boy, you know, I feel a little bit foolish here. They're, they're like doing that to me. But God chose preaching to get the job done. That's what he chose. And so even though people make fun of it, here's what it does. It puts all of us in a position that we, well, we have to listen, but it puts us in a position where we have to humble ourselves. He says it's foolish, but it causes people to have to humble themselves when they hear the message. And he could have done it different ways, but this is what he chose. And our free will isn't, God gave all of us a free will. So we listen and it's up to us to humble ourselves and make the right choice. This is what God chose. Here's another example of how vital it is. Okay, so Acts chapter 10 and verse one, it says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion 
of what was called the Italian Regiment. Now let's just camp on that word Italian for a little bit. Like mamma mia, quello parola, una bella parola. So what I said is I said mamma mia, of course, but I said that word is a beautiful word, the word Italian. All right, just playing around in case you don't know I'm Italian. Okay, so let's, let's look at the next verse. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God. So this man, Cornelius, the Italian guy, he was devout, he feared God, uh, he gave a lot of money to people, and he prayed to God always, but yet he's not saved. Okay, he's not saved. And just yesterday, uh, I had my hair cut, and uh, now the, the place I go, it's right just over on the other side of our building here on Watland Street. They only have two girls that work there. They run the whole shop. And so both of them have cut my hair now. And so I've shared the gospel with both. So yesterday, the one girl was just telling me that she's like real needy, like really needy, you know. So I let her talk a little while, and I thought, what can I share with her to help her, you know. And, and I thought, I'm looking for a way to get some gospel in there. So I said, you know, uh, you know, it's really interesting that when you accept Jesus as Lord, if you're needy, but when, he, when you accept Jesus, God by the Holy Spirit will come in you and he can really satisfy those needs. So I was able to give her a little bit of gospel there and plant a seed. And then as we further talked, she said, I know you're not gonna like this, but here's my belief. She said, I believe if you're good and you don't do anything wrong and you just do nice things for people and treat them good, that you'll go to heaven in the end. And it's just amazing how many people out there think that good works are gonna get them to heaven. And so I shared a little bit more with her, but here's this man here, this Italian man, devout, feared God with all of his household. He even got his children to fear God. He gave generously, he prayed, but he's not saved. So you, you pick up now in Acts chapter 11, he got God's attention. And so you see in Acts 11 and verse 13, uh, and he, this is Cornelius, it says, and he told us how he had seen an angel. So Cornelius saw an angel standing in his house and the angel did not preach the gospel to him. God chose men and women to preach the gospel, not angels. And, and so the angel said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So this angel is the one that told Cornelius to send for Peter. And then look at this now in verse 14. This is what we want to see. It says, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. You notice there that I capitalize the word words because you notice there that the way God's method and the importance that he put on teaching and preaching, that he said, I'm sending someone to you. You're, you're very devout, given a lot of money, doing a lot of good things. But he said, I'm going to send somebody to you to tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Words and speaking the gospel is where salvation starts. God put a great weight on it. 
So remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the work of teaching and preaching. Remember what we first said, that anyone who believes the works that I do shall he do. So this is like us, the saints, we're getting equipped more and more so we can be more effective at giving words out, okay? So what what you see there is God, Cornelius got God's attention because he had a sincere heart and God sent Peter to him to tell him words so he could get saved. All right, so we could say the way to salvation begins with words. The way to healing begins with words. The way to being filled with the Holy Spirit begins with, everything will begin with words. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins with God's word, the will of God. That's where it starts at, okay? All right, so let's look at this now because we will see that God has put so much important on his, importance on his word that that's what he works with. So look at Acts chapter 2. God works with his word. Okay, so Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, it says, Let all the house of Israel know, therefore, cer- know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So what's going on right there is they're preaching the gospel Okay, so they're, they're getting it out. So I, I didn't want to put too many verses on there for time's sake, but look at verse 37. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So do you notice how they, the Bible says that they were cut to their heart? God works with his word in the hearts of men and women. All right, so that, that you know, even reminds me that, uh, that the, the guy that led me to the Lord, I, um, this guy, I was sitting around a table at a restaurant and I went there to rescue my brother who got saved. And we uh, were in business at the time and we, we had a health club, what you call them, where we train bodybuilders and powerlifters. That's what we did. So there was a bunch of the guys from our club that were in a Bible study and my brother ends up getting saved and then he gets all these guys and they're in a restaurant in Youngstown, Ohio, sitting around a table and I went there to rescue. So I'm sitting around the table and the guy that shared the gospel with me, he wasn't cool. And and I know that I'm kind of dating myself with my terminology words, my words here, cool. He wasn't cool. He didn't dress cool. He didn't look cool. He didn't talk cool. As a matter of fact, the way we used to say it back then, he was a square. You know, if you're not cool, you're square. All right, so just for you younger ones, some of you. So this guy sitting around the table, and there's all these big bodybuilders, you know, like, you know, we got Liam and Alex sitting there, guys like that, and and Pastor James there, you know, (laughs) and, and guys like that are sitting there. And then there's Lou, the guy sharing, and he's like the small guy, the guy that's not dressed really cool, the guy that's like, and he used to make even a noise, he would go, like that when he talked, he'd go, and you go like, he, he made that kind of a noise, and he's sitting there, and he's sharing the scriptures, he's sharing the word, and it's so powerful, it's pricking my heart, it's like making, it's cutting my heart, and I'm thinking, and I got mad at first, I said, are you trying to tell me that 
I'm not going to go to heaven unless I'm born again. It made me mad, but it got me. Like, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Never heard that before. I was in church every week and never heard it. Never heard that before in my life until I was 23 years old. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. But this guy that wasn't even cool, you know, even dressed bad, everything. But his words and what he was saying had so much impact. I'm telling you, man, if you get full of the word of God, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You get full of the word of God and start letting it come out of your mouth to people and it will explode in their hearts. And it exploded. It cut. And, and I, knew, I knew eventually I was going to have to get born again. And I did. So God works with his word. Okay. Now, uh, let's look at this, too, about the Word of God. See, the only way God works with His Word to get us saved, but the, then God uses His Word to feed us. And you see that the only way to be fed, this is what Jesus, in, in John 21 and verse 15, it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then he said, then feed my lambs or sheep. Jesus told him. Now that happened three times. Very interesting. The first and the third time he said feed. The middle time he said take care. So there is two elements of sheep. You take care of them, you know, but then you feed them. And it's interesting that he said feed twice and care once. So you want to have both elements in place as a church where you have a care department where you can care. But the way that you, the way that people grow is they need to be fed. And so whoever feeds really is who leads. You, it's important to feed because that's the way that you lead. So you see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So what that means is the, the first time you hear it, that's when it gets planted. But once it's planted, every time after you hear it, that's what you call watering. So if you hear the first time that by Jesus stripes, I am healed, that was planted. But then every time you hear somebody preach on healing again, it's watered. And so what you see there is Paul was an apostle. He went to cities for the first time and they heard the gospel from Paul the first time. But Apollos was a teacher and Apollos would follow up where Paul was. And when Apollos got there, he would teach then. And that's what you call watering. And so we see that the way that you grow in Christianity is the word. It's the only way to grow. Um, look at 1 Peter 2 and verse 2. It says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So it could have said desire a lot of things and go after a lot of things, different things. But what it does say, it says desire the pure milk of the word. That's how growth comes. All right. So God works with his word, preaching and teaching. And then look at this scripture, John 8 and verse 32. It says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the Mel Gibson movie and Pilate in that movie, if you watched Mel Gibson's movie about Jesus, and Pilate says, truth, what is truth? You remember that statement he made? And that really hit me when he said that. 
because Pilate did not know what truth was. And so many don't know what truth is. But Jesus, Bible says he brought grace and truth. So God sent his son and his son, of course, brought grace, but he also brought truth. And the truth that Jesus brought, that's what will set people totally free. That truth will free people up permanently. That truth will penetrate to the deepest place, all these deep places in people's hearts that are injured, hurt, anything wrong in a heart of somebody. That truth will go to the deepest place and fix the most ugly things a person could ever have. That truth will set people totally free. And he said, you, if you want to do anything, he said, you want to know the truth because truth sets you free. So what we're talking about today, just to, to you know, begin to close up here, is simply this. Ordinary Christians can do the extraordinary works of Jesus. Ordinary Christians. It didn't say apostles, prophets, and all that. It says an ordinary Christian, Jesus said, the works that I do, you can do those works also. And then uh, we see that we talked about that God put a great weight on proclaiming and explaining his word. It's his method. It's important to know that's his method. So you can say, well, I, you know, it's good to relate to people. It's good to put your arm around people and comfort them. All of that is good. Hold somebody when they need help, relate to them, you know, somehow like make them feel like you're understanding them and you relate. All of that is necessary and good. You can find scriptures on those things too. But the thing that will set people free permanently is truth. So we want to do it all. When somebody needs a hug, hug them. <laughs> you know, when, when, when somebody needs comforted, comfort them. But we just have to know that the way that you grow and get fed is the word. And then also just what we said today is that, of course, we're saved by hearing God's word, but we grow spiritually by sitting under the word. So one last scripture about that is in Luke chapter 10 and verse 42. And this, this says, but one thing is necessary. And now, let me explain this, you know, Martha and Mary. And what happened is Mary decided to sit under the word, but Martha was serving, doing all the work to serve. And so Mary was just very peaceful listening to the word and Martha was up in arms and she was making a big fuss and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled by many things, etc." And then Jesus let her know this. He said this about Mary. He said, Mary, but one thing is necessary. So notice what Jesus said. One thing, the main thing that's necessary, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So this is like for everybody that serves in church, it's important to know that serving is one thing, but serving definitely does not replace sitting under the word. So that's why somebody came up in the church world years ago with the phrase sit and serve. Sit and serve. It means make sure you sit under the word because if you serve and you don't sit, you'll eventually get burnt out. If you serve and you don't sit, you'll get wore out. You'll get, so many things can happen. So it's important to sit and serve. You do both things. Some people sit and maybe not serve. 
Others, they'll get so into serving that they don't have time to sit. And we need both of those elements. Praise God. So, Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today, Lord, that heard what was ministered. Father, thank you for taking your words and, and just uh, the word uh, works in our hearts. So, Father, I thank you that you take what was taught today and it becomes really real, like reality to people, Father. Revelation knowledge, uh, understanding how important doing the work of teaching is, doing the work of preaching, Father. I thank you for making that real to everyone. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.